Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're here for our editorial board, our annual editorial board for the November election with the Consular at Large candidates. With me, I'm going to let everybody here, who's by taking on the editorial board, and on the candidates introduce themselves. So, no further ado. I'm Beth Perdue, editor of Standard Times. Yvonne Drayton, a community member of the board. And Andy Tomalonis, um, another member of the board, will be joining us shortly. Hi, I'm Ian Abreu, uh, counselor at large running for re-election. My name is Dr. Christopher Burrell. I am uh, not an incumbent. I am running for counselor at large. I'm city counselor at large, Brian Gomes running for re-election. Uh, Deborah Coelho, city councilor at large, also running for re-election. And I am Naomi Carney, uh, city councilor at large, and I am also running for re-election. And I'm Linda Morad, currently councilor at large, and asking you for the honor to continue to serve in that position. Uh, I should point out that Michael Jansen, also a candidate for councilor at large, uh, not an incumbent, is not here today. He had a medical issue and uh, he requests that he couldn't be with us. And here comes Andy now, which might give us a, a brief opportunity to introduce Andy. We're just doing it in connections, Andy, so if you want okay. to introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, I'm Andy Tomalonis. I'm the online editor and managing editor. All right, so we'll start with um, opening statements. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with left to right, but then I'll when we have future questions, I'll, I'll start with someone different so that everybody has a chance to, to go first or last. So Ian, why don't you make your opening statement? Sure. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for hosting this forum to everyone at South Coast Media. Uh, again, my name is Ian Abreu, uh, running for re-election uh, as your counselor at large here in the city of New Bedford. The time really flies. It seems like only yesterday I was here uh, in this similar meeting asking uh, the voters of uh, this community to, su to consider supporting me when I was running as a non-incumbent, and now two years later, you fast forward, uh, and I am an incumbent uh, running for re-election as your counselor at large. It's been uh, it's been quite a busy first term for me and for many of my colleagues. Uh, I, I'd like to think I jumped right in, uh, both feet in, uh, working with my colleagues, working with the administration when appropriate. Uh, I ran on a couple of core principles, constituent service, transparent government, economic development, and public safety, and I think we've We've hit a lot of those metrics uh, while uh, I've been in office this last term, uh, returning your phone calls, giving you the taxpayer services that you need, uh, explaining the process uh, uh, about how government operates and how we can give you the best service uh, for what you deserve as a taxpaying resident and as a resident of our community. Uh, you all deserve to have transparent government. And I'd like to think that I bring that each and every day, whether in the council chambers or just out in the community, answering your phone calls, returning your emails, returning your text messages, being out there, being your voice uh, at 133 William Street uh, uh, every single day, being a champion for New Bedford, acknowledging that, of course, we do have some of our concerns, we do have some of our issues. We have concerns in regard to public safety. We still have concerns with our school department. We have concerns fiscally with our budget. But the reality is that we are starting to move in the right direction in many of these 
areas and metrics, but we have to be realistic and, and understand that there's plenty of work that still has to be done. I want to continue to do the work that we've continued to done. I want to continue to be your voice uh, as your counselor at large in the New Bedford City Council Chambers, and I hope you consider voting for me once again on Tuesday, November 7th, and again, thank you all for having me, and it's an honor for me to be here today. Thank you, Ian. Next is Christopher Burra. Hi, my name is Christopher Burrell. I'm running for New Bedford City Council as Councilor large uh, It seems like you kind of give these things a lot when you're meeting individuals. I'm not originally from New Bedford. I'm uh, born and raised in Boise, Idaho. Uh, I chose to uh, come out to Massachusetts when I was 18 for college, and I've spent uh, about half of my adult life in Massachusetts. I've had the, uh, the fortune of living in a number of cities, Boise, Portland, Oregon, Boston, London, um, and in that time, I've gotten to see how a number of cities run and operate and function. And uh, in college, I served as, a, as an intern for two years for Senator Kennedy. And every now and again, you'd hear kind of these, these, these rumors about how things were done down in New Bedford. And you'd think, oh, a lot of that is hyperbole. And then um, I started teaching down here uh, at New Bedford High School. And I kind of realized, well, maybe it's not quite the case, actually. Maybe uh, maybe some of those rumors you hear, might, there, there might be some truth to that. And my wife and I, we, we came down here, we, we fell in love with New Bedford as I, when I first started teaching. We bought a house on North Street. Um, it's the culture, it's the community, it's the food, it's, it's everything about this community that we just, it, it, it has embraced us so much and uh, we felt so loved by that. But having lived in other places and living in the other cities, there, I'm also very aware that there are a lot of things that New Bedford does that just aren't normal, that just aren't right, that need to be changed. And uh, But they're so entrenched as part of the fabric of day-to-day -day political life here. And so I think that's what really kind of uh, propelled my candidacy. Um, speaking with a lot of my students, they were the ones saying, well, why is it this way? And, and as a history teacher, I would try to you know, explain it to them the best I could. And they said, well, why then doesn't that happen here in New Bedford? Um, and, and, they were the ones also really kind of encouraging me to run. And so, I, you know, I, I thought, why not? I, you know, my wife and I, we moved here, and in many ways we've, we've lived the American dream. We've bought a house, I have a job that I, I very much enjoy, I'm passionate about it, I love my students. Um, you know, my, my grass is pretty green, uh, especially when I look at a lot of my neighbors around the community. And that's, I think, problematic, because a lot of people are really struggling in the city. And uh, a lot of people don't get the sense that New Bedford's on their side. Uh, we have snow removals and, and snow emergencies when it doesn't snow, and yet people still get fined in a city that has very limited parking. We have we talk about beautification of the city, but that's got to be more than just planting trees and, and flowers and, and, and new parks. It's got to be going after absentee landlords who habitually uh, rent to drug users and criminals. Um, we talk about openness and transparency in government, and, and yet we have these backroom deals that surprise even some of our own city planners on the zoning board, for instance. We were selling off our, our public golf course, and, and I'm not a golfer, but that seems like a decision that this public should have some say in. And I understand that if I'm fortunate enough to be elected, I'm going to only be one of 11 members, but I can be an effective voice and I can be an effective educator to the public and letting, letting them know what's going on. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the backroom deals. I'm tired of, uh, of, of you know, the kind of the secrecy. I'm tired of, of this, this, this just basic functioning uh, of government that seems to happen behind our backs or without our knowledge or just people being unaware. And I want that, you know, I want to change that. Thank you very much. Brian Cole. Thank you for the opportunity. I want to thank the Sand Times uh, South Coast today for sponsoring this long gone. It seems, uh, as it's been said, uh, just yesterday we're here and we're back again today. I'm a candidate for re-election to uh, the City of New Bedford's Councilor at Lodge. I've been a Councilor at Lodge for 26 years. 
I think I've been an integral part of um, the goings-on in the city of New Bedford ever since I got here. Um, uh, originally uh, getting here and um, bus touring this city and showing some of the blight and um, the problems that were in this city that um, have turned around in, in some areas. I've uh, been a strong voice and a uh, force when it comes to crime on the city of streets of New Bedford. I think I understand it better than anyone else. Um, being out there and, and seeing it, feeling it, tasting it, you, you get a real thrust for what's going on and how it should be addressed. Um, we have uh, neighborhoods that um, we have consistently gone back to that consistently have a problem. I said years ago, if we didn't get into some of those neighborhoods where the crime was, that there was going to be trouble later on and it would spread across the city. And that's exactly what crime has done, is spread across the city and affected everyone um, from the north to the south. Economic development, there's not a project that I haven't either tried to go after as a city council by proposing a, a, a letter or, or invite to the city of New Bedford. Um, I will continue to work in that capacity. Um, I'm a protector of the city of New Bedford and um, it, it's taxpayers. I think they should get the best buck, uh, bang for their buck. And um, at, at present time, that, that's not quite happening. And um, um, there's some things that need to be addressed uh, while we uh, are moving in the right direction and there's some things that are being done. And uh, one thing I want to point out is a, a brand new um, walkway down in the south end, $4 million of walkway, which uh, still to this day, the credit will not be given to the people who proposed the, um, the, the walkway. And that was myself and supported by my colleagues at that time sent off to Senator Montigny and the Army Corps of Engineers only to be put together and um, um, is a structure that I knew would be the tourism follow, the, the people follow, that hundreds of people would enjoy. This is what the city of New Bedford is all about. It's not only about downtown, I've said it before, a master plan needs to be done in this city. I will continue to look at that and, and push that and meaning every six blocks is different in this city. And yes, master plans have been put forth but master plans have not been put forth with the in-depth and commitment and, and um, progress of, of, of this entire city. And as I said, every six blocks has to be looked at and um, we decide what needs to be done, uh, what needs to be done to make that the neighborhood a better place. Uh, New Bedford is a great place and um, I love being a city councilor. I love being in the forefront. I'm not uh, afraid to take on the issues that no one else wants to take on. Um, our schools um, still need to be addressed. Um, the economic development in the city still needs to be addressed. And while they say that we have a vibrant downtown, when we have a vibrant downtown that works almost not 24-7, but when I have a place where I can get a coffee after 5 o'clock, when I have a place that I can get a clam box or a scallop box for the seafood capital of the world, then we're moving New Bedford in the right direction. You take a walk up the street right now and you walk around downtown and you see what you see and um, there's definitely a problem and that has to be cleaned up. On an aha night or on a special night in downtown, the city looks beautiful and that's what you want to see each and every day. But it's not only about downtown, it's stretching across this city and bringing the economic development to the city that it rightfully deserves. And we need to bring more jobs to the city and we need to address what the problems really are, whether it's the opiate problem, the fentanyl problem, um, the homeless problem that is affecting this city that gives us the light. As I said, let's take a walk up the street and what you see is not what I want 
anyone to see coming to the city on a first hand. You want people to see people working, flourishing, being part of the community. Three minutes is not enough time. We'd love to have more. Thank you. Thank you, so uh, good morning, everyone. Once again, I'm Deborah Coelho, City Councilor at Large, and I want to thank the Standard Times for uh, hosting this opportunity. Um, so just a, a little history. Um, I am an immigrant. I came here at the age of five, and uh, that makes me uh, knowing the journey of what it's like to come here as an immigrant. I also went through the school system, uh, and I learned English. I wanted to be part of, of the community. Uh, and then um, I come from a, a very hard-working family which uh, gave me great work, work ethics. Uh, I'm a very, very hard worker. At the age of um, 19, I opened up my own small business. In addition, I helped run my family business, so I was on double duty. And uh, that's when I started to become more aware of uh, community and the neighborhood issues that were going on that were actually hindering uh, small business. So I started getting involved with, with neighborhoods, neighborhood groups, and I grew from there. Uh, I was very excited to uh, call out services that needed to be met uh, within the neighborhoods, and um, that really was what triggered me to learn more. Uh, and then I was um, uh, actually encouraged by the folks that I was helping out in the community to run for office, and I did. And when I did that, and I uh, was very surprised to win, and it was very exciting. At the same time, it was very scary uh, that I, I felt I needed more education, and I actually went back to school. And I'm just about to finalize my master's degree. So uh, I actually started going to school uh, the same time I got elected. So I've been doing both all through these years. And that's really exciting because that represents what New Bedford is, uh, that we all have opportunities to grow here. And I'm always making sure that those opportunities are open to everybody. Uh, I'm also bilingual. I think that's really important to point that out. Uh, because even in the council at all, at times, I, I will go and uh, interpret for folks. I try to make everybody welcome. Uh, if, uh, if that means I have to speak their language, which a lot of times is my language. And you know, from the Portuguese, I can easily shift to uh, the Spanish and Cape Verdean, so it gives me uh, that opportunity. I never stop learning, I never stop growing. I also um, uh, want to mention that if you, if you were to ask me what is my, my key role that I bring to the council, I'm going to say neighborhoods. I'm all about neighborhoods and public safety, and I think it's also very important to mention that I am the only counselor within the entire council, not just this uh, uh, um, uh, counselor at large, but I'm the only counselor who actually lives in the neighborhood that we talk about the issues that happen in all the other neighborhoods. So that puts me in a very unique position to bring out some of the issues firsthand. Uh, I've introduced a lot of things on the council, such as the repeat overdose. People weren't paying attention to that. And so I started to really hammer out that, uh, you know, I started paying attention that certain address was getting repeat calls within 24 hours. And I finally asked the, uh, the chief, I said, What's going on in these particular addresses where they require this amount of uh, fire apparatus, ambulance, and police all coming uh, to the same call, and then within six hours we're at it again, and then halfway through the night there it is again. And come to find out it was the same people repeating overdose. And so basically I was, uh, I, I actually did uh, um, a report for one of my classes about the impact of that. And I started uh, letting folks know that every time this happens, this is affecting your tax base. 
this is where your tax money is going. There's a lot of money going into this. And so at this point, I started declaring that I think we have to really push beyond just our city that this is happening because I really believe this is a natural crisis and New Bedford cannot afford this. Uh, the other thing I, I point out was the, uh, the prostitution, not just prostitution that we were used to having in the city of New Bedford, but also that uh, there's, there's different rings going on with, with people from the outside coming in. Because at one point I was really able to um, know the faces, but the faces are changing all the time. And come to find out, uh, it was verified that this was also uh, happening. Uh, I'm in constant um, communications with the chief and anybody in the police department uh, about what the issues are and where these specific areas are. The other thing that makes me really unique is that I actually walk uh, the city of New Bedford every day uh, within an hour or two hours a day, sometimes three hours a day. I like to, I like to walk in uh, different areas that you would normally uh, see by car and that gives me a great advantage. There's a lot of houses out there that uh, are abandoned uh, and they're not as boarded up as they used to be but it's still there and I kind of wonder we have all this housing stock and yet you know we're talking about that we have vouchers and we can't get families in these houses so there's a lot of that going on um, I'm very supportive of all families all cultures and I believe that's really my niche on the council and also I, the final thing I would probably say is good government is an ongoing process Nothing gets done in one day, and I, I think I'm really good with explaining the process to people and helping them uh, go through it uh, little by little and, and, and explaining that to them. So thank, thank you. Naomi Khan? Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Standard Times, for allowing us to, this forum. Um, it's very appreciated. It's such a beautiful day out today. I can't believe that we're in October. A little bit about myself. My name is Naomi Carney, and I did grow up in, in New Bedford. Uh, I grew up in Blue Meadows Projects, actually, and attended George H. Dunbar School, which is now closed. Um, I am a proud multicultural person. I am a proud American Indian and Cape Verdean. So I see a lot of the cultural differences within our city of New Bedford, and I've lived those. Um, I, um, after, after graduating high school, I went over to uh, SMU, uh, now UMass Dartmouth, where I graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree. And I was also a history major, so I, I like to investigate things and look into uh, certain situations. But at that time, that's when I really started my political career and my yearn for helping people and getting things done. Um, I sat on the student center for four years, which gave me a good background of what I was, uh, what um, I wanted to do in life. I also um, sat on my tribal council and dealt with the federal government and did that political issue. So it was a a yearning and a feeling for me to go out there and make a difference in help people. When I had an opportunity to run for city council years ago, I did, and I got on the council. I was on for a couple of years. Um, it was a great experience. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get reelected, and then I kept trying and pushing because I think New Bedford is a great place. And I, I, I am here again. I've returned. Um, I'm looking for your support again on November 7th. So I continue my work in the city. My love of the city has not changed. I love New Bedford. I feel what everybody else feels. I'm a taxpayer, I'm a single mom, and I've got two children. I know the burden of day-to-day -day living, paying your bills, paying your property taxes, 
because I have to pay money for my kids' education. It's very, very tough, um, you know, to make ends meet. And I, and I feel the pain of everybody here. Um, taxes are something that we do have to pay. We need services in the city. And I understand that the property taxes is one of the complaints that I get on a constant basis. Um, with the services. Now, if everybody was paying their property tax and they got the amount of services they, they required, then it probably wouldn't be an issue. But I'm also constantly getting complaints about this, the, you know, city streets, sidewalks, um, et cetera, et cetera. And those are things, um, as a city council, that we face on a day-to-day -day basis, looking for the money to fix these, these problems within the city. Um, but we're working on it. Um, the problem properties and cleaning up the city is one of my major issues too. I've worked with um, the problem properties and the task force um, and I'd like to say that we have cleaned up a different place and hold people accountable. Um, they're very good. They do send out the letters. They are sending out fines to people. People have taken notice and that, that ordinance is working very well and I want to commend my, my colleagues here for passing that because that has made a difference. It's a, it's a process, but they're out every day trying to make the city a cleaner, better uh, place. Um, I believe in constituent service and neighborhoods. Um, I go to the neighborhood meetings from the north end um, to the south end, and I see the issues in the hands, that, the issues that face us on a day-to-day -day basis, and they are all pretty much the same. So, I mean, I'd like to build up the community and our, and our um community meetings because I think that's where you know your neighbors and that's where a lot of issues come out and that's when we can address it. Um, these meetings are very important and I can't emphasize enough um, that we need to get involved with our um, constituency. Um, public safety is always a concern. We address that on a daily basis. The, the, the crime, I think, is not down. Um, we have a higher homicide this year. Um, we need to look at that. I think that our police department is doing a, a great job. Um, do we have enough police? Probably not. Um, but they are making the bus. I've never seen so many drug, drug busts. You hear them on a weekly basis now. So you know they're doing their job and trying to clean up the streets. We're working at it as a concerned effort of all of us to keep and maintain that and work with my colleagues to keep a, keep a pulse on that. Um, I do answer all my calls, um, concerns about everything, whether it's the crime in the streets, whether people are taking pictures of people doing drugs in their backyards, whether it's the breaking of pipes in the streets that I have to address with DPI and get those fixed and get those neighborhoods, uh, these neighbors with the surgeon yards in their um, basements. I have gotten all these calls and I do answer it and I, and I take um, a strong approach to this. But, and the, and the, the departments work very well. Um, I can't say enough about our, our city departments because they do respond to when we make the calls and they do confront the issues. Um, I'm very transparent in government. You can pick up the phone and call me, you ask me a question. I think we are transparent on, on the city council. Um, what happens within the mayor's office or within the departments, we don't always get privy to those, to those facts. But when we do get the information, we make sure our constituents know. If we don't know, we do put the motions on the floor to bring it to appointments and briefings to make sure that they give us that information that we need. 
I'd like to look at other alternatives with our property taxes. Um, we do have a lot of land in the city that is not taxed, and we need to look at that, and we need to figure out a way how we can make everybody involved and pay their fair share into the city of New Bedford. Um, like I said, my constituent serves a crime. Um, I, I still have a major concern about the the, the police. Um, about six, seven minutes. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Well, well, I want to thank you. Um, I do wish you would like you to uh, continue supporting me, and please go out and let me continue my service to the city of Bedford, the city that I love, on November seventh. And thank you very much. Okay. Before we go further, I, I want to apologize because I saying eight or nine minutes. I gave you a very that thing to put in your head, even though we, um, we're almost a half hour in and we haven't gotten through the opening statements. So I'm going to ask you if you really can try to, to go to that three minute thing for everything. Uh, it'll really help us get through the eight and nine questions we have. All right, Linda Morat. Okay, so I'm Linda Morat. I'm not going to thank you because everybody <laughs> else has, but you know I thank you. And um, if I'm reelected in November, I probably be the oldest person sitting on the city council. As a matter of fact, I know I will be. So I'll be asking my colleagues to call me the matriarch. Um, I'm 63 years old and I'm a lifelong resident of the city. And uh, I grew up in the city, as I said, and I'm educated through the New Public School System. And I proudly live here. And for the last 12 years, I've been serving in a council role uh, for eight of those years as a ward councillor and then for the last four years as a counselor at large. And I think that uh, those two experiences have uh, shaped the way I think and the way I approach my city council role. Um, I, serve, I serve the residents of our city proudly. I would like to believe that the residents in the city of New Bedford know what they get when they talk to me, that I have shown them that I can demonstrate that I understand the issues in our city because I know how it works. I take the time to listen and I take the time to realize and understand how the process should work within our city. And uh, I can answer questions, I can tell people whether their requests are realistic or not. And I think that's what you want from your government leader, someone who's going to tell you, yes, we can get that done, or no, we cannot, and why we can't get that done. I think people appreciate that. Um, I'm committed to serving the city. I. Um, believe that people think that I am a leader on the New Bedford City Council, that I often stand up many times alone uh, to say what the people are thinking. They don't speak what I think. I speak what I hear from the residents of the city of New Bedford. That's my role as a city councilor, to represent the people that put me in the office. I uh, love this job. I have fulfilled it, I think, to the best of my ability over the last 12 years. I'm looking forward to doing that again for the next two years. Um, I'm concerned about some of the direction that this city has been going in the last several years. I believe that people who pay taxes in the city of New Bedford do not believe that their quality of life is the same it is today that it was four, five, six years ago. And that's my role, to make sure that people get what they pay for, what their taxes support, and to make sure that money is spent appropriately in the city of New Bedford. And each one of us on the council has a forte. We all have different experiences, life experiences and educational experiences. I've been in the financial services industry since I was 22 years old. I believe I have the skill set to look at things from a financial perspective, analyze them, and, and make the best decision when I'm voting for the taxpayer of the city of New Bedford. And I think my colleagues respect that. I think that they um, 
listen to me. They don't always agree with me. Uh, and the same, my, I feel the same way about the people that I serve with. Uh, they're good people. They're trying to do the best they can for the city of New Bedford. And the accusation that anyone in the city council um, does something from a backroom deal or does something from um, a self-serving perspective is frankly just wrong. So I'm looking forward to serving again for the next two years. I hope the residents in the city of New Bedford again will recognize that I demonstrate leadership and experience, and they would like that to return to New Bedford City Council. We'll be proud to do that for the next two years. Thank you, Linda. All right, so with this round, we're going to start with uh, Chris Perrell, and we can start with a different person every time. Uh, again, three minutes, and we have eight or nine questions to get through. Um, should the city adopt Mayor John Mitchell's proposal to have the option of the state group insurance commission rates as a way of controlling the cost of health insurance? Why or why not? Absolutely not. No, 100% no. Um, well, first of all, I would say that uh, those contracts are negotiated in good faith with our uh, public uh, employees and their unions. Um, if the mayor doesn't like the contract, that, and I believe he's been in the process now of negotiating all of them, then he should have uh, uh, tried to get a better deal when he was negotiating it. But we are talking about, and this is a pay cut, right? We not, may not be taking money away from the salary, but we're going to then ask the men and women who run into fires, who put their lives on the line on the streets, who are dealing with the gangs, the violence, the drugs. We're going to ask them to pay more for their health insurance. And that, that is, a, that is a, a bread and butter issue for these, for our public service employees. And we have a hard enough time keeping uh, public employees here in New Bedford, whether they're teachers, whether they're cops, firefighters, because of everything that they have to do. Uh, and then to sit there and say that, well, we're going to make it that much more difficult, and we're going to make it that much more difficult when you can go to some of the surrounding cities and some of the surrounding towns and get the same benefits or better that we're offering currently. We're going to cut that back? Absolutely not. I think that is a bad deal for the city of New Bedford. I think it puts us in a more dangerous position as residents because it, it, we, we very likely could be losing uh, experienced firefighters, experienced police officers. We have a crisis in this city when it comes to crime. We already have rolling brownouts with our fire departments, which is an old city with lots of uh, timber structures that are close together. Right? We need to be looking at how can we go about opening up new fire stations, how can we you know, uh, end the brownouts, how can we bring new police officers onto the force. Right? We need to find that money. I believe we can find that money. I think there are a lot of consultants that come in, and whether they advise the high school or they advise in other parts of government, I think there's way to, ways to find that money and also expand our public safety. So absolutely not. I'm against that. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, same question, Brian. I'll just add that the mayor was here yesterday, and he noted that there would be three new councils at least coming onto the council this year, and he intends to bring this back if he's re-elected on um, the Group Insurance Commission. So I'll repeat the question. Should the city adopt Mayor Mitchell's proposal to have the option of the state's group insurance rates as a way of controlling the cost of health insurance? Why or why not? Let me first say that uh, when this came before us, um, it was put down um, at meetings that we uh, meeting that we had, and um, we were talked to uh, about it. Within 48 hours, we had it on an agenda, and I voted against it. And I voted against it not because no union told me to vote against it, not because anyone told me to vote against it, because simply you gave it to me 48 hours before, and you expect me to take a vote that may affect men and women of this city who work for this city, I'm not sure that it was the best uh, case scenario that was put forth. And again, I wanted to study it, get the information behind it. I also feel the same way about the bread and butter deal. I'm going to be taking money from somebody. But the, this insurance thing has been an issue for a long time. 
in, here in the city of New Bedford. We have addressed this over and over. We've had administrations. I've been around a little while, so I've seen the administrations come and go. I've seen us put people in place who are, that is strategically what they're supposed to be dealing with, is getting the best buck for the insurance that we provide the city of New Bedford employees. Every time, it seems like the increase comes and the increase keep, continues to come. So this is more of a, a this problem is not only a city problem, it's a state problem, it's a country problem with the insurance companies and, and the cost for providing um, insurance. I want to put the best package together and will support the best package together that supports the men and women to, and that serve our city and also the taxpayers. That, that, that all has to be considered when you, you take on an issue like this. Uh, again, um, addressing the issue over and over again with no real substance from any administration um, to deal with this. And, and when I say deal with that, when you put a person, whether it's Mr. Beauregard or whoever that was, has been in that position, they were supposed to go and get the best deal for the city. That just doesn't seem like it has. We've changed insurance companies several times to try to balance this whole thing out. Um, it, it's an issue that we'll continue to address, but I'm not about to hurt the people who serve the city and work the city. I'm not about to hurt the taxpayer. I want to put the best package forward. Um, the mayor is welcome to do anything he wants. He wants to put it forth with three new councilors coming on. That's fine. Again, for this councilor, the mayor should have considered when he put it forth was, and, and I don't want to take anything away, they sat in a meeting, Iris Sky explained what they were looking to do again, but I'm not about to vote on something that you throw in front of me 48 hours before and just go take a vote because we tell the people of the city that we're going to save them um, for $5 million, whatever it is. You, you know, it's like telling us about the golf course. If we sell it off and we put an, uh, an industrial park up there, we're going to generate $2 million. What was the last contract that we just signed off that you ran an article in the newspaper? Close to a million dollars. million dollars, two million dollars is gone. Sounds great to people. Let's give them the real facts here. Thanks, Brian. That was exactly three minutes. Good job. Debbie, <laughs> <laughs> um, same question. Should the city have the option uh, of using the Group Insurance uh, Commission uh, system when negotiating with city unions? So when this first was proposed to the council, I too voted against it, uh, reason being because I really feel this is a, a national issue anyways. And I really feel that the idea is not to take away from the workers, the idea is actually to motivate them into incentives to stay healthy. I can tell you in the past that when I didn't have insurance, and I always didn't accept the insurance from the city either. So I will say this, that when, when people don't have insurance or are not properly insured, it's not, a, it's not a healthy situation to be in. So I really didn't think it was fair to take what folks already had, and it's not good policy. I mean, from what I studied, the idea is not to take away from people, the idea is to build from that. So I, I really looked at it, it was just like another pay cut. Uh, it was an inappropriate way to bring people down. It really wasn't lifting uh, the city workers or the families. They were gonna have more co-pays and more money to pay off from their families. Uh, everybody struggles in New Bedford. So I didn't think that was appropriate to be taken away from it. I would like to see more uh, talks uh, and incentives to help people to stay healthy. 
through exercise programs that could be offered through the city. I know that there's gyms in the in the in the, um, uh, in, the in some of the uh, police departments that they work out and they have accessible to that. Why not make something more accessible to everybody in the that works for the city of New Bedford to, to keep people healthy? I think that's what we should be looking towards. And if this is something that the mayor wants to move along in the future, I think it should be with increments, not something to just really whack somebody down with. It, it's just not a uh, good policy and I didn't go for that. Uh, I am open to continue to learn more about it in the, in, in the future and see how other cities have approached it, but I don't, I don't think it's something that you can just do on a yes or, or no vote. So thank you. Same question, Naomi. Should the city have the option of using the state's group insurance rates when negotiating with the union for health insurance? Okay, well, um, I'm going to concur with um, Council Gomes. Uh, we had a brief meeting for half an hour, and 48 hours later, we, we were proposed on the City Council a bill to allow the demand to negotiate health insurance. I have the group health insurance from the state. Do I like it? No. Are my co-pays high? Yes. Are my deductibles high? Yes. Do I have a lot of medical bills? Yes. That's not what I want to impose on our, our, our residents. We have over 5,000 uh, individuals on um, the health care in the city between the police, fire, school department, ASME workers, the unit C's, and all the retirees from all the above. Each one of those groups have representatives. I think the mayor should go speak to those representatives. He needs to be speaking to them before he brings any kind of proposals to the city council because it's affecting their lives. Health insurance is not coming down, it is going up. It's been going up for years and years and years. I remember when I used to pay $25 out of my paycheck, now I pay over $500 a month for health care insurance. And what do I get besides lots of co-pays. So we need to really investigate. It's a lot of people on that dole. There should be some, we should have some real negotiating power with health insurance companies to talk to them. Let them bring proposals back to the groups and the representatives. Let them discuss it because it directly affects them and then bring it back to the city council so we can take a look at it. None of that has been done. And the proposal of the the state's group health insurance, it never came to us as a proposal, only a bill to allow to negotiate, but didn't say where they're going to negotiate with, they have an option of different things they can. So go do the negotiations, go get the prices, go investigate the health care, and then bring it back to the city council so we have an educated decision to make. Thank you. Okay. Linda, uh, should the city have the option of um, using the group insurance rates out, uh, uh, pushing the unions to that if, uh, when they're negotiating with the unions. So I'm going to start my conversation by uh, using some of that financial background I have. It was a 10-0 vote. So if the mayor's fortunate enough to get himself re-elected, I'm glad he realizes that there will be three open ward seats that will have new councilors, but you need eight to pass this item. So I don't think the three is going to help him get to that point if, in fact, all of the existing councillors who are running for re-election are in fact elected. This discussion needs to be had on a, on a very large scale basis. Health care is a budget issue in the city of New Bedford. It has been for a long time. 
but making a decision at the last moment to place an item like this without fully vetting that item among not only the city councilors who need to make the decision whether we should move forward or not, but with the unions that represent the people in the city of New Bedford that work for us, our fellow employees is just wrong. You don't do business like that. And if anybody wants to point a finger at kind of backroom deals, that's the issue. The issue is that major discussions like this seem to get funneled and fast-tracked when they really shouldn't. This is the kind of conversation that should go on for months with all the parties at the table. I don't agree that the health care system that we have in the city of New Bedford and the coverage we have is the best. I think we can do much better. And I also have for many years talked about doing some regionalized purchasing of services like health care that would give the city of New Bedford, the surrounding towns, and maybe some of the surrounding cities in southeastern Massachusetts, some kind of bargaining power with the agencies that are going to ensure the people that work for the municipalities in this area. Those are the kinds of discussions I would like to have. And if after all those discussions, this is the best option, I'm, I would vote for it. I would. But I'm not going to vote for something that I don't know. And just because Fall River adopted this doesn't mean that it's right for the employees and the people in the city. Thank you, Linda. Uh, Ian, same question about group health insurance. So uh, I too voted against this um, when it was put in front of us a few months ago. In my opinion, uh, balancing uh, the city's budget on the backs of our public safety professionals, again, in my opinion, is questionable public policy at best. I think we all can agree that skyrocketing health care and costs associated with health care are a problem, a statewide problem, a federal problem. But that is why these unions have these public employee committees in, pay, in place, the acronym is PEC committees, PEC, to negotiate with the local municipal government to find a deal that works best for everybody. The way this is going to get solved is, is all parties come to the table if everybody works together with government, with the PEC committees, with these unions, with that city council. This really hasn't been the case and it's very unfortunate. Um, We've seen a lot of rhetoric come out um, from the administration talking about how some other cities and towns locally have adopted this and this is what they saved. You're really comparing apples and oranges because if you really look at the facts, those other cities and towns, they were on the brink of state receivership. We're not in those dire economic needs as those other cities and towns are. And again, asking the men and women of our police and fire departments to take less when they're putting their lives on the line every single day is questionable public policy at best and dare I say poor public policy as well uh, if I may be so bold. So again, I was proud to vote against this. I have no reservations with taking it back up and re-engaging re the dialogue and rolling our sleeves up and getting it to a committee whether it's finance or talking about it on the council floor but to put it in front of us, thumb up, thumb down, vote for it, that's not how I play. Thank you, man. Uh, next question, we'll start with Brian Gomes. Uh, it's not just um, health care that is driving property taxes in the city, it's also increased school spending, particularly for the school turnaround plans. Do you support meeting the state's net school spending amount every year? And if, if not, why not? Well, I'll support anything that 
addresses the school situation. But I feel that uh, in the past few years we continue to throw money at the schools and we're, we're really not seeing the, the, the resurgence of uh, the students um, being the best that they can. We've got great educators within the system, and um, but the system still has its flaws and, and, and we're throwing money that, at, at these different programs within the school system that I have not really seen come to uh, the fruition that it, it should be within the city. And um, I know the state has put out some numbers and the, the, the numbers are the numbers, but the real deal is what's going on in the, in the schools. And, and again, we have to go according to what the state tells us or whatever to meet the, 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 the monies. Uh, um, again, I'm worried about the monies going to the, the kids and the system and bringing out the best that we can in our educational system. We are doing, there are some areas that it, it, it's prospering and there are areas that it, it's not in it. And um, th them are the concerns that this council has. And uh, uh, we, we've given a lot of money to the school department and um, um, everything from books and it continues, you continue to hear the issues and you continue to just kind of deal with it. Again, uh, whatever the state mandates, uh, I realize that we have to do. Um, I'm not happy with everything that the state mandates uh, us to be part of here in the city of New Bedford because uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of the old school, and the old school um, taught our kids and, and moved them along. And uh, what we're being um, told that we have to do in their schools, I, th I think some of it um, should be eliminated and uh, let the educators do what they have to do to educate our kids for the future, to get them into the colleges or, or whatever. Um, the monies is always going to be an issue. Um, I'll continue to address the issue as it comes before me. Thank you, Brian. That's the same question. Increased spending on New Bedford schools, particularly the turn turnaround plans, has led to pressure on property taxes. Do you support meeting the state's net school spending amount every year? Well, actually, yes. That's the best of federalism, is you have the federal government and then the state and then the local. Uh, of course, we want our children to be able to be as educated as everybody else in the state, as everybody else in the country, and we want it to be just as competitive uh, as all the other children. So I would not say, uh, let's give less to our children. No. Uh, in actuality, I believe that our children are our biggest value uh, of our money that we're pouring into them. Uh, I, I think New Bedford is always a special needs city, and I think we are able to reach out more to the federal level to get more grant money for that, and I don't think we're, we're reaching out as much as we should. I also want to mention that um, our schools, even the new ones, are over capacity within a few years, and I think one of the reasons is we're not paying enough attention to the amount of children that are not counted in the census. Uh, from some of the families that are not, uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to go into immigrants or, or going in that in that route right now. But they're not counted for, and so basically, I'm seeing all these babies within the, the neighborhoods. And one of the questions I brought up on the census when we had the 10-year census was, are we counting for these kids? Because we need to know for our value for the school system to start getting uh, more federal aid. And the question is no. They don't count the children that are born into St. Luke's. They don't count the children uh, that uh, belong to families that are not uh, as documented as they should be. So I think we're, we're shafted in that sense, 
but overall, I, I believe in the in the school system. I believe in the turnaround plan. It has proven to work throughout different areas in the United States. I think that the school system right now should be really proud of themselves. Even though there's a lot of inner stress going in right now, uh, we're starting to see the results. It's showing the, the, the numbers and the facts are there. And uh, I think we, I, I, I've always stood behind uh, the superintendent, Pia Dirk, and I'm going to continue doing that. And uh, let's see where, where it moves forward from that. Uh, but no, I am not into uh, taking anything away from the education of our children. It is by far our best value in, in, in every city, but obviously in the city of New Bedford. Thank you. Naomi, do you support the um, city's uh, net uh, school spending amount every year, even as it puts pressure on property taxes? Well, net school spending is, it is what it is. We don't have a choice in net school spending. That is what the state mandates the city of New Bedford to pay for the educating of our children. Do I feel that there is some waste in the school department? I think so. I know that um, when in the beginning, when the transportation came in, how much money did we waste in transportation costs in the first couple of years because we brought somebody in from Rhode Island that did not know our streets. It was straightened out eventually, but to the tune of a couple million dollars because we did not have the proper person in place that knew our city streets and knew our transportation. There are certain things, we have, we have lost a lot of our teachers. Our teachers have walked out the door, the schools are filled with substitutes. We don't pay those substitutes the same amount as we paid those 10-year teachers. So there are cost savings within the budget right now within the school department because they have not brought the teacher level up to the capacity and the spending that we, that we budget for. Uh, so although I think there is extra money in there, um, I do think that one of the big problems within the school department is what is mandated by the state, the MCAST and whatever. I have a million friends that are teachers. I have so many friends that I have to hear on a day-to-day -day basis of what's going on in the school department. They're not able to teach. They have to follow just guidelines with the MCAS and testing, testing, testing. We are testing our kids to death. They need to become students again. They need to be able to learn and let the teachers teach. And that's what we're lacking here in the city of Bedford. The turnaround plan, am I totally agreeable with it? I'm not too sure that that was the right fix for New Bedford because with that turnaround plan, we lost a far great more um, fabulous educators than what we should have because of that turnaround plan. So I'm just hoping that I keep my fingers crossed every day. I'm hoping that the school department does succeed. I want our kids, our kids need to know that they're going to school and they're going to learn. And they're going to learn in a safe environment and they'll be able to be a good fit for the city of Bedford and be able to be the leaders, upcoming leaders in, in New Bedford here. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. Linda, same question. Um, the city has not always met its net school spending amount. Do you support uh, the city meeting its mandated state school spending amount every year, even, even as it puts pressure on property taxes? So you're asking me whether I support net school spending I have, um, and I will continue to do that, and I generally bite my tongue and grit when I do that because I have concerns about the way that money is being spent. 
but that's not what you're asking me. And um, my role as a city councilor is not to run the school department, it's to appropriate funds, which I hope my colleagues who are elected on the school committee appropriate correctly. In addition to funding net school spending over my term as a city councilor, I've also put additional monies into the school department. We have been bonding over the last several years for structural improvements in the city of New Bedford, which includes the New Bedford City Schools. This city council, of which I'm a member, has given a lot of money to the New Bedford School Department to fix the structures that our students work in. We've also given money for technology, upgrades, and for books. We've matched grants that we've been fortunate enough to get from Erwin Jacobs, and we've easily done that, taking money from free cash to allow us the opportunity to take advantage of those excess monies to help educate our students. But I think fundamentally, there's an issue in the school department that concerns me. It's, a, um, it's an environmental issue. It's the way people, not, I don't mean environmental like uh, grease and stuff like that. I mean environmental where people work. Whether it is a place that's really a learning environment, where the people that are working there are really happy, and when you're happy at your job, you do much better than when you're not happy at your job. Is it a place that's really fostering the needs of the students and the teachers and the administrators and those people that work in that department? And I have a major question about that, and I think the residents of the city of New Bedford do as well. Um, I'm, I'm. I have children, not my own, but nieces and nephews who are students in the New Bedford School Department now. And I, I truly have concerns in the elementary school about um, how those students are being educated and the policies that are being put forward uh, by this administration uh, to educate the children in the city of New Bedford. I hope someone takes a real hard look at that soon. Thank you, Linda. Uh, Ian, uh, same question. Do you support meeting uh, uh, the next school spending obligation even as it puts pressure on I will continue to support net school spending as it is mandated by the state uh, because I want to give our students and our teachers uh, the tools that they need to be successful. I want to continue to uh, make sure that our students are being as engaged in the classroom as uh, possible. Let's make no mistake about it. Uh, our students, our young men and women, are our future workforce talent. If we can't home grow our own future workforce, that what are we doing here today? I mean, this is the point of trying to pass on the legacy and create a next generation of, hopefully, taxpaying to benefit residents who are going to contribute to our community and own homes and have their families here. The big problem here, and I'm going to mention it, is that on a state level, we need to look at the charter school reimbursement formula. That's the big problem here. And I urge our state delegation to really take a hard look and take the lead on this because it is killing communities like New Bedford and other gateway cities. Massachusetts taxpayers pay hundreds of millions of dollars every single year to charter school reimbursements. And cities like New Bedford don't get that fair shake at the end of the day and it really hurts our local school departments. We need to really take a look at that reimbursement formula. I can't say that enough. I've said it on the council, but I'm really urging our elected state delegation to take a look and delve into what that problem is. We, of course, have concerns about what's happening in the school department. I want to continue to let the New Bedford residents know that I'm going to continue to support our initiatives to grow our school department, to make our children as safe as possible so they can learn and have a conducive environment to grow and to be educated. We want to obviously support our educators who are in the schools every day, teaching our young men and women. Just want to 
let everybody know, of course, per our charter, our only fiduciary responsibility over the schools is that of fiscally, and even at that, we can only cut from the budget, we can't add to it. We don't have any say over the hiring and firing practices of what happens uh, up the street on County Street. We can advocate, but we don't have any official say as, well, this one has to go or this one doesn't, or whatever the case may be. But we do hold the checkbook, so that in of itself is worth its weight in gold. So that's all I have to say about that. Uh, again, we want to continue to support net school spending. We want to continue to uh, make sure that our students and young men and women and our teachers are given those necessary tools that they need. But we really need to have an honest and frank discussion about that charter school reimbursement. Massachusetts taxpayers dole out hundreds of millions of dollars to that formula, and we've been doing it for years, and the formula's broken. It just doesn't work. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Christopher, you know, last, um, do you support uh, the next school spending uh, meeting every year, uh, uh, even if it puts pressure on property taxes? Yeah, we have a we have a, a, a legal financial obligation there that's, that's imposed by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I think everyone wants world class schools, and if we had, you know, a hundred million extra dollars just sitting around in a pot somewhere, and we had reasonable taxes, I think everyone would say yes. Let's invest in the schools. Education is so important, and you're not going to find a politician or anyone that's running for office that's going to say I, I don't really support education. And, and I am saying this. As, as a former teacher in New Bedford High School, I'm saying this as an educator now, and, and I'm saying this understanding that my role on the city council, if I'm fortunate enough to be elected, is, is not to oversee the schools. But the problem we have in our schools right now isn't so much a problem with funding, it's a problem with leadership, and we have none. We have a superintendent that rules by fee, uh, fear, excuse me. She looks at her public school system as a little fiefdom. When you have, uh, in my own experience, I had a number of evaluators who had never taught before, who had never taught history, who had never taught special education, yet they're coming into my classroom and telling me how my students are supposed to learn best. They're coming in and saying you should be using that color chalk. We've gotten away from the fact of allowing our teachers to teach, and we are so focused on this on this bloated middle management. Um, I, as a teacher at New Bedford High, at one point had eight superiors at that school, and I didn't have a department chair. I do not know how you have eight superiors as a teacher at a high school and you don't have a department chair. We are bringing people in, that, the, to the best of my understanding, and I think if you have an honest conversation with just about any teacher at that school, they'll tell you they don't know what they do. So we take that money, we're spending that money because we have a financial and legal obligation to do so, but we're not spending it on the students. It's, it's, it's just going to this kind of middle apparatus that, that really contributes nothing to the, to the education of our children, and it's robbing the city, it's robbing our youth, and it needs to stop. Thank you, Christopher. And we'll move on to the next question. We're going to go to crime, and we'll start with Debbie this time. Uh, Debbie, do you think the perception of crime in New Bedford matches the reality? Why or why not? So, in an aspect, if people are feeling unsafe or they feel that the crime is too high in the city of New Bedford, we have to respect that because people's perception is people's perception. And so that affects their quality of life. Uh, I'm very concerned about that. However, I have tried to explain to folks that there has been a lot going on in the city of New Bedford in the past year. We have a new chief, we have a new deputy chief, we have a lot of change within the department. There's also some friction going on with that change. And also that change is also reflecting out in the streets. We're seeing a very aggressive uh, arrests going on in the city. Uh, President, what we've seen in, in the past several years, uh, there's a lot of drug busts, gang-related issues, uh, uh, quality of life arrests. We have prostitution stings. 
and obviously that's causing friction within the streets as well. Um, so basically what happens is this, it looks like, and it appears so, and it actually is, that we have more shootings and more homicides, but I really believe that has to do with the shakeup that's really going on in our city right now. I have put forth a motion on the council that uh, is coming up on the next public safety meeting, which I am the, the chairperson, uh, to see what the numbers are, because I think we all really need to look at those numbers. Uh, to, just to, uh, to assure people that New Bedford is is not uh, any more dangerous than what it was in the past. Uh, I think overall a lot of these issues are happening amongst the criminals themselves. Uh, my my um, issue right now is that a lot of people thought that as long as we kept it within certain pockets of the city of New Bedford, it was acceptable. And I think we as a city let that go on for too long. And I've been advocating for that for, for decades, that when one pocket of any community is out of control, it affects the entire city. People didn't quite realize how that works, but that affects your taxpayer. And now we saw that, that we had a double homicide on Central Avenue, pushing further towards the north end where nothing ever happens there. So to me, that's a major concern and I really, really believe that the police has to go back to that community policing. I've been advocating that for all along. I know some people aren't as um, uh, accepting to that, but if you look around, uh, there's been uh, studies that show that it works. and. When you see a face, when you see a uniform, your behavior changes. I mean, we are here in the Standard Times building with a bank right next door, and they have a security guard. A lot of the banks within the city of New Bedford all have security guards, and they're armed, and they have the uniform, and visually it works, and it actually prevents crime. So that's one of the aspects that I'm going to keep hammering in a way. But overall, I think the city is in good hands. I had a meeting. Uh, a public safety meeting where I brought in the uh, both chiefs. Uh, we're at, we're at three minutes. Okay. okay, and and they both assured us that our and this was recent in the past couple of months, and they both assured us that the the city, the city of New Bedford, the streets are safe, and we have to trust that. Thank you. Naomi, do you think the perception of crime in New Bedford matches the reality? Why or why not? Okay, well, <clears throat> the perception depends on whose perception you are looking at. <laughs> the perception through one office says it is down, but yet the facts show that the homicide has doubled up to this point. Is that my perception? Or is that the facts perception? Perception of the neighborhoods. I get calls from the neighbors, I get pictures of, of people's windows, of people shooting up in parking lots. I have perceptions of people giving me calls telling me this is going on at this particular moment. Have you called the police? Yes, I have. Ten minutes ago, nothing has been done. The problem is, is there's so much going on that their res response time is a little longer. Do we have enough police out there? No. Are we hiring more police? Yes. But the problem is, is that the crime that I'm hearing from my constituents, and it's not only in the North End, it's in the South End too. It's all over the city that I get calls of, of inconspicuous activity happening. 
by the time police get there and they do arrive, it has stopped. Because you know that in 10, 15 minutes, whether there's a drug deal going on or whatever, I saw one at Brooklawn Park in the middle of the afternoon. It took all of three minutes to the exchange. Even if I was to find, dial the number, by the time it was done, it would be gone. So is crime up? It, whose perception? Is it my perception? Is it your perception? Is the neighbor's perception? Is the mayor's office perception? The police department, I do want to say, are doing a good job with the tools they have in their tool belt. They are out there. If you notice and you hear on the radio and you look in the news, there are continuous drug busts going on in the city every single week. They are doing their job. Is it enough? Are the drugs taking over? Are the gangs taking over? They're moving further out in the neighborhoods. I mean, I, I, my neighborhood I see going on. I get that activity at my community meeting that's going on that in my Ward 5 area, there are drug activities and houses in that neighborhood that need to be attended to. And they have been. But so, is, is crime down? You tell me. Let my constituents tell me whether or not crime is down because they're going to tell you no. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. Uh, same question again. On the one hand, we have the FBI statistics that say crime is down. On the other hand, we have a double murder, uh, eight murders this year in the city. What's going on up there? So, is the percep is the people's perception correct? Is do you think? Do you yeah. think the perception of crime in New Bedford matches the reality? Yes, it does. Why? Why not? It does because first of all, there are an awful lot of unreported crimes in the city of New Bedford. There are things going on that the residents of the city are aware of that don't get reported in the statistics, and statistics are only as good as the people that are reporting them. Um, you may classify one thing as an item that's reportable and someone else may classify that same item as something that's not reportable. But the bottom line is that most people in the city of New Bedford don't feel that they're any safer or their neighborhood is any safer today than it was four or five years ago. And they actually think it's less safe. Uh, people didn't used to have to lock your car door. And that all relates to quality of life in neighborhoods. This all this little petty crime that we have. People used to be able to run at dusk or at dawn. They don't do that anymore. They're concerned about their public safety running on a public street that somebody's gonna pull over or stop or run after them, mug them and and uh, take what they have. There are people who are walking to and from work in certain in certain neighborhoods in our community. They're being assaulted. Uh, is is that crime? It sure is. Does that deter from their quality of life, their ability to be able to live safely in our city? So, you know, homicides, that's a number. That's a pretty um, accurate number. But what about all the little stuff that affects the quality of life of the people that live in our city? That, that to me, is what the concern is. Um, and not being able to be in our public parks after dark, um, you know, why not? because you don't feel safe? Is that appropriate? Is that people's perception of what crime is in New Bedford? It is. And so my answer to your question is yes, absolutely. I do support the chief and what he is doing and the men and women in the police department. God love them, that's a job I don't want. Uh, but we really do need to move more toward a no tolerance type of 
uh, attitude and try to fix the problems in our area, in our neighborhood areas, so that people might think a second time before they do something stupid. Thank you, Linda. Um, Ian, do you think the perception of crime in New Bedford matches the reality? Why and why not? Well, anyone who knows me knows I'll be the first one to talk about all the great events and initiatives we have going on here in the city, and I'll always promote our working waterfront and what we're trying to accomplish here and what's happening, but. Let's face the facts and let's face the reality. The reality is that there are a lot of things going out on these streets that I don't like, that are awful, and that there is crime here in the city. Crime is not down. Let's put that out there right now. I don't care where you live in the city. Maybe in the south end by me, the far north end, the west end downtown, the south central part of the city. I consider us all to be neighbors. We're all in this together. We all want our community to be safer, for our families to live, and for us to, to continue to grow our families and for business to happen. But the reality is that crime is not down. Um, I want to continue to work with our police department to give them the tools that they need to be successful, working with them and trying to find some, uh, some money in our budget, see if we can ever have an increase in the future, to give them the better uh, 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 physical capabilities that they might need in their cruisers or, uh, or just overall support them in general. I will tell you that um, when you look at one of the major problems here in the city of New Bedford are absentee landlords. Uh, these are people who control hundreds of properties here in our city and they're attracting individuals from out of town who want community invested. They're not doing proper and appropriate background checks as long as they get their cash in and out. No quarry, no background, no, no rent check, no credit checks. And that's not an appropriate way to do business because they're getting their cash, they live out of town, and they're getting their money. Uh, people know, and those who are watching this live stream will know, that I hold absentee landlords accountable, and I've ran on that record, and the record proves that. Working with our housing task force, we have administered dozens of corrective property orders and property fines to neglectful property owners and absentee landlords who aren't abiding by the ordinances that we have in place to make our community safer. If you're an absentee landlord, I am the person who will certainly go after you. I'll, I'll just um, I'll give you another little bit of time. Okay. The mayor was here yesterday. He said the problem properties ordinance, the council was willing to pass is weak, and he thinks it needs to be stronger, you know, have more teeth uh, for some of the big troublesome landlords. Well, I can't speak to that because that was written and passed before I got in, uh, but um, I will tell you that what we do have on the books, I am enforcing with our housing task force, uh, and the record shows, and I have an Excel sheet on my computer, dozens of corrective property orders. I've you know, been involved in working with that housing task force to hold those people accountable. That might be only one piece of the pie, but it's certainly a very important piece. When I got in, one of the first things I worked on with my colleagues and our administration in a bipartisan effort was to administer the synthetic drugs regulation banning. Now, in the past, Convenience stores in New Bedford were allowed legally to sell synthetic drugs to our residents, which is legalized poison. Those are now off of our convenience store shelves, and if they're not, if they're caught by our police force, they are fined. And if they continue to be caught, the fines continue to rise in increments, at which point, if they continue, they could actually go before the licensing board and they could lose their license. And you see other communities nearby are mirroring what we've done. Dartmouth just passed it in their uh, town meeting. Wareham has a very good synthetic drugs banning ordinance on their books, uh, and we were able to get that going as soon as I got in, and we all worked together to pass that. Very proud of that. That's another aspect. We've had people consuming those, uh, uh, those synthetic drugs that were leading to a lot of crime and a lot of unfortunate situations. 
Uh, three minutes, you know, really, we can go on for 20 minutes on this, but I just want to kind of give you that 30,000-foot snapshot of kind of where I stand on public safety. Thank you. We wish we could with seven candidates who just tried to give Absolutely. Uh, Christopher, same question. Do you think the perception of crime in Bedford matches the reality? Why or why not? I do, and I think a lot of the issues uh, and, and points have already been discussed, and I would also want to add to this conversation this idea that there's a lot of knock-on effects uh, that that perception a very real impact they have, right? So an individual looking at buying a house on the South Coast is likely to maybe look over New Bedford because the perception is, is that there's a lot of crime there. Uh, this is an issue with, that, that our, the crime in our cities is affecting the businesses that choose to either stay here or move into here or move out. It's affecting people that are coming in, uh, moving out. It's affecting our tax base. It's, it's, it's affecting a lot of other issues rather than just those hard numbers. Anyone who sits there and says that those numbers are down are looking off of the 2016 numbers. And we all know that this recent wave of crime uh, really began late last summer with the stabbing of a 14-year-old boy. Um, it, has, it has gotten worse, and it is not something that's going to be have one silver bullet. I, going after absentee landlords, absolutely. There is a lot of crime that gets centered in these properties that are owned by individuals from out of state, out of the city, wherever. They, they just don't care. As long as they're getting their rent check, they're happy with that. Uh, this is going to take a community effort. It's going to take uh, community policing. It's going to take uh, increased police. Right now, we're budgeted for 265 police officers in the city of New Bedford. Uh, as of a few weeks ago, we had 249 on staff. I think we've got like nine that are coming through the academy. I think three, might, three or four might have just graduated. Right. So we're so we are at, even say we had 265 cops. Uh, on the payroll. For a city the size of New Bedford, we should have closer to 300. And that's in, in given the fact that, like, you know, that's a, a, a typical city. I would argue that when it comes to crime, New Bedford's not a typical city. So we should probably even be looking at going a little bit above that 300 uh, number right there. We're, we're severely understaffed when it comes to cops. And when I talk about having a community effort, it can't just be, the onus can't just be on the police, it's got to be on the citizens. Right? We've got to have more uh, neighborhood involvement. We've got to have more neighborhood watches. We've got to be uh, in increasing the advertisement and the promotion of those neighborhood uh, com uh, committee meetings. Uh, I thought the Crime Summit was a fantastic idea. I think it's something that we should be bringing in uh, the, 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 the shareholders in this community and talking about how what ideas are out there to bring crime down. Uh, and it was unfortunate that got railroaded because, yes, absolutely, crime is, is, is a very serious issue in the city, and a lot of the other problems that the city is facing, especially when it comes to taxes, those aren't going to be addressed until we get our crime down. Thank you, Christopher. And Brian, uh, last of all, do you think the perception of crime in New Bedford matches the reality? Why or why not? Yes, I do. And um, the perception of the crime in this city is affecting the um, growth of this city and has been for a long time. When I first came here, to the city council, um, I'll often bring it up. I, I did a bus tour throughout the city with state and um, federal people. Anyone that wanted to be part of it, they wanted to know where we were going because they wanted to clean up the areas before we got there. Some of these areas have been cleaned up, some of them have not. Some of the neighborhoods that I continue to see as the beacons of, of, of crime that has spread across the city. Anyone that wants to say that the crime is down, I want you to travel with me. I want you to travel with me at night, the streets of the city of New Bedford. And when I travel the city streets at night, I don't travel with a car. I don't walk with a camera. I, do, I, I go into the neighborhoods to feel it, to taste it, to see it. 
I'm not afraid of the city because I know the city. I've lived in the city all my life. I've watched these neighborhoods change from what they once were to what they are today. I watched the people of Bay of Christian Avenue down in the Bay Village complex. Um, the older people lock their doors now, not open their doors and enjoy the breeze and the, the, the summer as it goes. We have a downtown area. Three minutes is not enough time. We have a downtown area that is infested with different minor crimes that affect the quality of downtown. Look at your downtown and look after four o'clock what you have down there. You have nothing happening there because people have closed. We used to have the 7-Eleven downtown. We used to have the Dunkin' Donuts open downtown. All the places are closing. Anybody that wants to try to perceive the crime as being down, you're wrong. You're wrong, and you're not facing reality of what has to be done in the city. And for me, it, it, it's very hard to sit here and address this issue after talking about it for decades, over and over and over and over, telling them what the problems were, only to see what we have. Yes, the police have been out there, but who was the voice that started it? Who was the guy that told you that zero tolerance, that we have to separate? Who was the guy that said, get into them neighborhoods and give the people of this city some hope? Look at some of the film that's been taken. It's the same street, same place. I remember saying to the mayor of this city, when we went down the south end and we were walking the city south end, I said, I hope this is not a dog and pony show. He says, I'm not about dog and pony shows. Well, you're back in the same neighborhood, standing in front of the same house, looking at the same decaying conditions of what's going on and say we're going to address that. We haven't addressed that. When we address the crime of getting criminals off the street, changing these neighborhoods back to what they used to be, I've lived here all my life. I know the good of these neighborhoods and what they brought to the city in New Bedford. And I know now what they're not bringing and what is going on in their neighborhoods needs to be addressed. And it has to be addressed with tough um, um, provisions that, and supporting the police. The police have been out there making a lot of bust, but it was this counselor that started opening his mouth and then all of a sudden everything has changed and whatever. I commend the men and women in them blue uniforms that do it each and every day, those undercover units that are out there. And yes, they're out there because the pressure is on. And when you put the pressure on, people step up to the plate, but they must there, there is more to be done. There is a, a zero tolerance in this city, and I want to send that clear message. And when I wanted to have the summit, I, I'll finish with this. It was not to get on anyone. It was not to get on any agency. It was once we'd done this back in the 90s, bring all the players together, come up with a comprehensive plan that we're going to send out there. I don't care how they do it in Boston. I don't care how they do it anywhere else. I care about the city and about the quality of life for all, and that's where I was focused on, and that's what I wanted everyone to focus on, and put a plan of action from the court system right down to the minus crime that goes on in our city streets and how we handle it and deal with it. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Uh, this question will start with Naomi. Uh, do you support Mayor Mitchell's proposal to develop part of the municipal golf course as an industrial park? And has the process been public enough? And uh, what are your ideas for where large-scale uh, economic developments should go into the Okay, the golf course. Again, we had a very brief half an hour, 45 minute um, meeting to bring the idea of putting a industrial park there. Um, I think there's still a lot of moving parts. I don't know if it's feasible yet. I don't have the proper information. I know that they <clears throat> did have a public meeting um, at one point, uh, I could not attend, I was out of town at the time. Um, but all I can remember, and I asked the question, as you know, I stayed up in the corner of and we tried to get that golf course a long time ago 
to put a casino there. And we were stopped dead in our tracks because of the open air park, um, what do you call it, um, legislation in the state. They said we could not do that. We could not take that parcel of land because we had the home rule petition and the home rule petition wouldn't pass. So now, fast forward, 20 years later, we're still looking at that same parcel of land that is the last open air park space of that magnitude in New Bedford and we're being told that it's okay. I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure what the, um, there's being tests on there. I have not seen anything back to the city council after the initial idea, proposal back for me to make an educated decision whether or not it's good or it's bad. I haven't seen any ventures into looking into different businesses. Who's coming in there? What is it going to be? We got a nice little pretty picture of couple buildings and this is what we want to do and this is why we want to lay it out. We want to change this. We're going to keep the golf course as a nine-hole golf course. We're going to put the club up. That concept looked nice and it was pretty, but like I said, we haven't got any of that information back, any of the testing. Massachusetts uh, agencies have been down there testing that land to see whether or not we can do it. But we haven't got any test results back. There's been no further discussion on it. So I right now can't, can't honestly say it is a good proposal or is a bad proposal because yet again, I don't have all the facts and figures and the information that I need as a city council to make a decision whether or not to turn that over into an industrial park or not. We know that there's a lot of traffic issues that come with that. Has that been properly vetted out? I don't think so. Has there been enough public meetings, but you can't hold those meetings until you have something to give to that community. And right now, the office does not have that to give to the community, so once that happens, and once we get to that point, then I think this council can make an educated decision on whether or not to move forward with such a proposal. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. Uh, same question, Linda. Uh, industrial Park at part of the golf course, and, and if not, where do you see big, big economic uh, development happening? So do I support another business park in the city of New Bedford? Absolutely. Uh, do I support uh, taking that beautiful green space, uh, which we have very little of, and turning it into a business park? Absolutely not. Uh, there are a lot of areas in the city of New Bedford that could be redeveloped into a business park area. You don't need to take beautiful green space and turn it into a business park in that area. Second of all, I actually have concerns as to whether this administration could actually fill that business park. Um, as you know, we have a very successful business park in the area that I used to represent, in the area that I live up in the North End. But there was a change of management in that business park uh, over the past several years. And frankly, that business park is stagnant now. There's been really no new development in that business park. And the empty spaces that are in that uh, business park today have not been um, have not been marketed correctly and have not brought new business to the city of New Bedford. So I have concern about that. And I think that's demonstrated also by the fact that this administration let Amazon go to Fall River. Don't tell me that that was uh, okay for Amazon to be able to go to Fall River. Those jobs 
to have our city residents having to drive to Fall River. There's plenty of space in the New Bedford area for Amazon to have been. But we didn't, we didn't pay attention to the bulletin that came out on the Gateway Cities. We didn't go after that business. We just basically said, well, it's okay, it could go to Fall River. So I have a question whether if in fact you are able to build a business park anywhere in the city of New Bedford, whether you can actually attract good, high paying jobs uh, to that business park for the residents of the city of New Bedford. Thank you, Linda. Uh, Ian, same question. Uh, do you support the mayor's proposal to develop part of the municipal golf course as an industrial park as a public park for public? And if not there, where do you see big economic taking place? So this is my recollection of how this whole matter uh, kind of transpired. Uh, we had meetings uh, back in January, a couple of councilors here and there. We had meetings with the economic development folks. Our council president had arranged those meetings because uh, Mr. Santos, the head of the Economic Development Council, had uh, this idea with the administration that they wanted to look into this potential idea and see what we thought and talk about it. That was back in January, so we met, we discussed the idea. All right, it's, it's, it's an idea, we'll see where it goes. We heard nothing, well I didn't hear anything, all the way to fast forward to May. And I found out about this because I'm actually in Washington, D.C., in a taxi cab, leaving from the airport to go to Reagan International Airport after meeting with federal legislators, our delegation. I see a live stream, a local media outlet, press conference with the mayor of New Bedford and other stakeholders talking about the deal that has been done. That's how I found, about it, found out about it, in a cab, on my phone, via live stream. I didn't sit too well uh, with me because uh, we weren't really part of that process. All we were really told, and I was told, is, well, this is an idea. It's a concept. It's a working idea, but let's see where this goes. So, unfortunately, I find out about it on a cell phone, on a live stream, that it's a done deal, and the new industrial park is coming, and so forth and so on. In my other full-time job, you all know I work for the local chamber of commerce. I pride myself on being an economic development practitioner. I will continue to support economic development. I'm gonna to continue to support job growth and growing our tax base. That goes absolute without saying. However, could the process have been rolled out a little more publicly? Absolutely. There are neighbors and neighborhoods in that Hathaway Street area, uh, in the Hathaway area that are very concerned. This ask the Smiths, ask many others. They didn't know about it, and traffic already is a problem on Hathaway now as it is. What do you think is gonna happen when you have large trucks coming and going all day and night? And, and, uh, and other vehicles coming in and out. I have concerns as well. Are we gonna be able to fill that industrial park? We've talked about that. Who's gonna come here? And what do you have lined up? It's easy to say, well, it'll be $2 million in economic development and tax base growth, but what are you basing that off of? Who's confirmed to come here? Who has told us they wanna come here? Nobody can answer that question because we don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I wanna to continue to support economic development. That's my background, that's what I do. Is that spot the most appropriate place? At this time, I don't believe it is. However, this is a dialogue that needs to continue between the council, the administration, the economic development professionals, mass development, but most importantly, the constituents and taxpayers and neighbors of that neighborhood. We all need to be at that table and have a say in how this goes down because it is a municipal golf course. It is our green space. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Christopher, same question. Should part of the golf course go to an uh, industrial park? And if not, where would you do the economic development? In I've been talking about this issue for a long time, and this is one of the actual, uh, this was kind of a catalyst when I just saw this, and this idea of just a lack of transparency, a lack of openness. It was this golf course. 
you wake up and you hear about it on WBSM, and then you read that the, the zoning board came. Uh, uh, the, the zoning board it was uh, it was only it only heard about that in the last five ten minutes of, uh, of their meeting, and they were surprised by this, right? I mean, this when we talk about backroom deals, when we talk about a lack of transparency in government. This is what we're talking about. I think this is the poster child of that. And so, so no, I don't think it's been opened up uh, at all, uh, this process. And it's something that, that because it is a public green space and because it is uh, something that, that means significant, uh, it has much to give against the people of this community, whether you were a titleist, whether you were a golfer, whatever. It, it, it needs to be in the open. It needs to have, there needs to be a better dialogue about that. And, and, and the mayor really dropped the ball on this one. Um, you know, as, as far as continue, I, of course we're going to support economic development. We should, um, and, and it needs to be more than just wind farms and brew pubs. Um, we, we can look at Kings Highway. We can look at the old abandoned warehouses and mills that we have all around this city. We've seen Fall River do it. Look at the Jerry Remy's. When you take uh, people, want to move into historic buildings. They want them retrofitted. So let's continue to streamline the tax incentives to bring businesses or, or even local businesses in here to, to, to retrofit uh, those uh, those those properties. Properties. Let's give provide additional tax incentives to hire locally. Let's provide additional tax incentives to go green. I think there's a lot of things. That we, there's a lot of tools we have right now. There's a lot of tools that this city council has been doing um, to, to try to foster that economic development. And let's let's kick it up a notch. Let's go. Let's 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 continue that. But let's not take public green space, uh, what little we have, away from the people of, of, of this community, especially when they don't have any say in it. People don't just want to live in a community that has a strong uh, economy. They want to live in a community that have nice parks and that have nice recreations and, and, and entertainment activities. And this just takes away from that. It subtracts from that. Um, so, no, it's, it's not been open. And I think there's a lot of other opportunities that, that we're not looking into. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, Brian, uh, should uh, uh, do you support the mayor's proposal to develop kind of the municipal golf course as an industrial park and has the process been public enough? What are your ideas for a place for large-scale economic development? No. There are concerns of the cost to develop the environmental along with the guarantee to return to the city of the taxpayers of this city. Now, let me say this. I'm glad to hear uh, you know more people standing up now because I think I was one of the first to stand up. I know it was... Uh, on the city council and have some great concerns about this proposal and simply because it wasn't brought to the people. Second of all, um, there is no guarantee. You flaunt $2 million in tax revenue in front of people's face and they're supposed to get all excited, but you don't tell them that we got to take care of a contract the other day close to $800,000 and there'll be something else that that million dollars will be gone. What was the guarantee? Did you, who was going to be located in, in, in um, that new industrial park? Why haven't we looked at the city as a whole across this city? We have buildings that are standing right now that need to be economic developed. Why is it economic development in those buildings and, and, and making them vital to the tax um, revenue of the city? To take that golf course, that beautiful golf course, and do that, you better have something big on your hands. And um, I would be one of the first to say, I'm in the position that I am, I stand in position. But if you were to tell me you were going to bring Amazon here, and you were going to bring them 50,000 jobs, i got to change my mind. Now I see something different here. Now I see many different factors. I see 50,000 jobs, 50,000 people, because we're not going to absorb all of jobs. But people are going to come, they're going to buy the houses, they're going to be part of the economic development, they're going to visit our restaurants. It gives us opportunity to put plans in place, whether it's in downtown, the North End Business District, the South End Business 
business district or the city. A lot of, a lot of play here, things that have to come into play here that are not considered when you're proposing something like this. Again, I'm not about to give a vital piece of land away until I see the economic development that I should be seeing across the city or you bring me that magical stone that says we've got a big company coming in here and this is what the returns are going to be to the people. Again, you flaunt $2 million like it's the biggest thing since sliced bread and the people's face that we're going to have return. What's that going to do for their taxes? What's that going to do for the services that come to the city of New Bedford? It's only going to add to this, the services. So there has to be a balance here. And again, economic development is something that has to be strong across the city. And as I answered your question here, and it's not only in jobs such as um, the, the work job, it's in service. It's in everything that we have to offer. A entire city with a master plan of what we have to offer. Thank you, Brian. And Debbie. Okay, so um, do I support the idea of the uh, golf course being used half of it for the industrial space? So it's an idea. So do I support the idea? Yes. And why do I support that idea? Well, basically because, as we all know, everybody wants jobs. That's always the key thing, jobs, jobs, jobs. And the way I look at it is that uh, we don't want to take away green space, but yet in the past several years we have added green space to the city of New Bedford with Fort Tabor and now the two beautiful harbor walks and we have Riverside Park, which is still fairly recent. We didn't always have that. So we've been adding green space and we've been improving on that green space all across the, all across the city. So I don't look at that as a loss of green space. The other thing is, it, whatever businesses are going to come there are not going to be offensive, so it's not like it's going to be any pollutants coming in, and also it's easy in, easy out of the highway. So it's development and progressive, so we have to really open up to the future. The other thing that I want to bring up is a lot of people in New Bedford don't even know what that green space looks like. I mean, that's really, in all due respect to the members, that's really not open to the city of New Bedford. It really never has been. It just hasn't, so I have to put that out there. Uh, also, the other part of the question is, what do I see about uh, developments for the city of New Bedford? As I mentioned earlier, I like to walk and I walk a lot. I am so blown away with the two harbor walks of the city of New Bedford. I walk both of those walks in, in one shot. I think it just really opens you up to so many potential and ideas for the city of New Bedford. If I was an investor, I'd be investing on those old mills on, on near those two harbor walks. You can do, this is what I envision, you can really take those old mills, create really upscale apartments like they do in Boston or Providence or any other metropolitan area that, they, that you've seen this happen. And I remember when I was a kid going to Cambridge and those old mills there and you just kind of looked at it like, whoa, and I used to go there a lot. And now those old mills are like really high-end apartments and businesses. And addition to seeing that kind of development with the mills, I see a marina, you know, opening up near those mills where people can actually afford to have their, their boats. Because we are having a lot of people coming from the outside looking at New Bedford. New Bedford is the last city with, with affordability of waterfront property. We're it. We were talking about crime, this and that, but we got to look at that. We really are affordable waterfront, and we have to capitalize on that. And we're also looking at the at the wind and uh, the wind energy, and that's already well on its way. And we got to keep pushing on that. So 
To me, if I look for the answer of New Bedford and I have to just use one word, I'm going to say waterfront. But in addition to what we talked about, the golf course, I have to support that. We have to open up to new ideas. We have to grow. We really got to grow. And if that means that we have to look to take a green space that hasn't been accessible to everybody anyways and, and realize that we have opened up to other parks, then if that's a trade-off, then at least let's open up to the idea. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. So we had more questions, but we're well over our time. We really appreciate it. It's hard to do seven candidates, six, uh, I guess, here. But uh, uh, you all did a great job, and this has been a lot of fun. I hope the voters uh, have learned a lot about each one of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.